one for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon, live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, in the 11 o'clock hour. With you until noon, talking sports with you on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO still to come in about 10 minutes or thereabouts. We'll get David Kaplan slide on in here uh, from Chicago. We'll do a lot of Cubs with Cappy, um, some Bears as well. And then uh, bottom of the hour thereabouts, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll dot I's cross T on the 2019 college football season. And uh, get into some of the stuff that may be percolating during the offseason. I see Noah Fant was just named to the pro football writer's uh, all rookie team. I told you, Trent, this kid's going to have a hell of a well, career. Well, I never wavered well, on well, uh, Noah well. Fant with my Denver Broncos. I remember in September, this guy can't catch a cold. He's awful. What is he doing out there? What a terrible decision by the brass. Elway's lost it. He never had it. I hope this team loses every game going forward. Well, that part's true. <laughs> that well, not this true. year. Right, yeah, yeah. But I, I certainly wanted a better draft pick for the boys. They're going to draft 15. But uh, no, look at Noah Fant is, is, you know, all kidding aside, uh, in October, the lights seemed to uh, go on for him, and he had a really nice finish to his season. Really did. He looked like, you know, what we saw here, mm-hmm. and then uh, what uh, Elway and company thought they were getting when they drafted him. So that's, that's, that's big for him. Athletic freak. Yeah, no doubt about it. He is. He, he had some moments uh, in the 2019 season. All right, the 2020 baseball season's coming up, ready or not. Now well, we got some time yet. Well, we do. I think pitchers and catchers report in a matter of weeks. Like three weeks. Holy cow. Yeah, don't don't blink. It's here. Uh, where I want to go with you is your team. Mm-hmm. Who, the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins, who in the last 12 hours, seemingly, maybe a little bit longer than that, but the Josh Donaldson, although not a... Have you officially seen that this is done yet? Well, Ken Rosenthal has said as much. Well, made a lot of, a lot of yeah, a lot right. of uh, baseball guys in the know you would think have said it's a done deal but no announcement from, from the, the twins, twins right. no press conference coming tomorrow anything like that so do you like to move trent i love it for your squad and uh, don't forget this is a team that set a major league record in home runs hits last year so i mean they're gonna hit 300 home runs again this year probably so who did they lose crone crone and uh, one more one more guy hit a bunch of home runs uh second baseman from milwaukee um i'm um scope 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 yeah jonathan scope yep. but he didn't even really play the last month and a half, two months, because mm-hmm. Arias had taken yeah. over for him, who was absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. His minor league numbers don't match up with what he did in the major leagues, and sometimes that's a little bit of concern. But you look at the lineup that they had here. Now, coming into the season, the Twins, it was number one on the list, improved starting pitching. Find mm-hmm. that ace. Did they? No. They got a bunch of veterans, right? Hill they and, did. Hill and who else? They signed one more. Ah. Uh, for whatever reason, I was thinking Corey Lytle, and that's no, not right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Corey Lytle's no. a billion years old. Uh, former Cincinnati Red, Homer Bailey. Right. Corey Lytle, did, is he, did he pass? Ooh, Who, who's the one that passed in the plane crash? Corey something in New York. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was Lytle. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was Homer Bailey that was that was on the mind. He'll be there. Um, they're not going to be able to get anything from Rich Hill until July. Okay. He's coming off of an injury. And Barrios, they're taking to arbitration over peanuts. They are. That's ridiculous. 
Well, I, I think what they were really trying to do is, is what they tried to do last season. They were able to sign Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco, uh-huh. buy out their arbitration right. years, and, and extend them. They tried to do that with Brios. Didn't happen. They're trying to do that again. Gotcha. So that's more than that. Just a fight squabble over. Right. You know, for you and I, it's life changing. Well, it's certainly a lot of money, a yeah. couple of hundred thousand dollars. But for but so they're going to battle for this. And you know what the arbitrator is going to say? It's three hundred thousand. Yep. You come down one hundred and fifty. You go up one hundred and fifty. Case closed. Figure it out. Boom. Boom. Right. I think Judge is able to make his case, but Brios is still at the top. Uh huh. Pineda will be back in after he serves the rest of his suspension. Late May, I want to say early June, something like that, right. is when he's going to be back. And then, yeah, it's some veteran pieces. Early on, they're going to have to l- rely on one of those young guys, maybe two of those young guys that we saw p- pieces of a year ago. So who's playing first base? Sano? Sano moves over to first. Yeah. Second base, Arias. Yeah. Shortstop, Polanco. Your yep. all-star starter at shortstop mm-hmm. last year for the American League. Now you put Donaldson in his 35 home runs. And Trent, he's, in, he's a, a good third baseman. And that's the thing, because... The way the offense was constructed going in, and the infield defense, more importantly, it was yep. bad. Yep. Polanco's a negative defender. Arias is average at best. So no, on the bottom side of things at third base, and then you're probably talking Marwin Gonzalez at first. You throw Donaldson, who is one of the better defensive mm-hmm. third basemen in and there. And a great clubhouse guy, too. They, his teammates love that he's on their team. The Blue Jays will tell you that. Mm-hmm. The Braves are certainly going to miss him because of that. And home runs. And you you just go through this lineup. They are going to uh-huh. mash. But Behind the play, Garver. Garver, who right. has tons of pop. Yep. They uh, brought in also a veteran to help supplement him. Right. A pretty good defender out there. Buxton for 80 games because you'll miss 80 well, with injuries. He got that set up, and that means yep. Kepler will have to move back over. And, and they try to make some other moves out there to try to get a starting pitcher, but they just there hasn't been mm. anything out there. So that's what they are. I like the bullpen. I like the pieces overall. This is what I've argued with with the White Sox fans that are all giddy about their squad. Well, they should be. I mean, they've had some tough I understand tough the excitement, but I don't see them catching the Twins. I just I don't see this they White Sox They've closed the gap, team. but I agree with you. I think it's still the Twins are winning, ninety, certainly 92-plus games, and I don't see the White Sox at that level. Twins won 100 last year, uh-huh. and I... I wouldn't be shocked if they win 95 again this year because the Royals are going to stink. The Tigers mm-hmm. are going to stink. There's mm-hmm. 36 games right there. Even with the better White Sox and a decent Indian squad, there's your other 36, and then what happens the rest of the way. I still think this team, because they are so talented offensively, unless injuries hit, they're still going to coast into the division title. I'm with you. We'll coast into David Kaplan. He will join the program next as uh, we take you up until noon. Before we do that, it's time to help pay your bills with iHeartRadio and 1460 KXNO. Text the keyword SUPER to 200-200 right now. That's SUPER to 200-200. Your chance to win $1,000. You'll get a confirmation text and standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Back with the cap man next. Miller and Condon till noon on 1460. Come on, baby, don't you want to go? All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Still to come, Bill Bender. He's back from New Orleans. We will take one more look back at the uh, national championship game for Monday night. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Take a look at some of the off-season topics, off-season stories that may be percolating here through the long next few months before college football returns. But right now, we 
Head to Chicago. He's the Cap Man. Centurion Stone makes it possible. Cappy, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Capper. How are you? Good morning, boys. How are we doing? Doing well. Thanks for asking, Cap. Uh, I guess we should start with Chris Bryant. You've had a lot of uh, information out there on your Twitter feed and at NBCSports.com about a potential landing spot, about the asking price that may have been uh, completely exaggerated, as you put it, or somewhere along those lines. What can you tell us about Chris Bryant? Now that Donaldson is off the market is chris bryant a target of some teams what are you hearing uh he will definitely be as someone that they'll talk about but they what i had tweeted was that the reports that they're asking price is obscene and all of that stuff that we've heard from other teams uh i've been assured by somebody who would know that they that's greatly exaggerated simply because they have not been able to know what they're trading. Are they trading one year or two mm, years? Yeah. Chris Bryant, you know, he's got his arbitration number in for the year, so they agreed on a one-year deal for $18.6 million, but that means nothing. He was under control. They just had to agree on a number. They could still trade that number, but am I giving you a haul of players for two years of Chris Bryant, or am I giving you a haul of players and he's walking at the end of one year? You know, it's so interesting that... MLB is able to figure out arbitration on everybody. MLB is able to figure out the Houston Astros and what their impact's going to be. Yet this grievance continues to just linger. We talked about it last week, Cap. You said, eh, maybe we'll know in the next couple of weeks. I, I just, I'm struggling to wrap my ri- mind around what is the delay? Why is this taking so long? Uh, this is because it's not a Major League Baseball deal. Mm-hmm. It is an arbitrator who he frankly really doesn't care that Major League Baseball is on a timetable. He has over 260 pages of briefs he's got to read, digest, and make an intelligent, informed decision. It's much like when the college basketball scandal hit. Remember that about yeah. a year ago? or year, And it was the FBI was involved. And somebody who I know at the NCAA said, we called the head of the investigation, one of the head guys at the FBI, and we said, okay, look, we've got the season kicking off here. We've got a tournament in like two weeks. When will you know? And his response to this guy, he said, very nice, but very direct. The FBI could really give a flying rip that you have <laughs> signing day coming up and that you have tournaments and that you have coaches out recruiting. We could care less when we're done with our investigation then we'll release our findings. Until then, we don't care that you have a timetable or that this coach has a recruiting visit and the recruit wants to know if the coach is going to be there. means nothing to us. And the arbitrator feels the same way. I'm going to review all these documents. I am going to consult with the legal people I need to talk to, and they'll give you a decision. And if that doesn't work on your timetable... Too bad. Mm. David Kaplan is our guest. Well, Cap Trent brought uh, up the Astros. Let's uh, let's go a little bit more in depth there. I thought the punishment was fine. Um, I, I did. You can't take away a trophy. I mean, that's ridiculous to even think about. Yes, you can. You think you can? Yes, you can. hundred well, percent. Uh, I think the punishment's a joke. I really do. I think it's a joke. What? What? What I'm would? Afraid. What more could they do? I would have stripped them of their title. They mm. cheated. In the World Series. That's been documented. Mm -hmm. They cheated. They cheated. You, Darvish, is throwing fastballs, and they know what pitch is coming. So would they give it to the Dodgers? I mean, the Dodgers wouldn't want the trophy that way. there would have been no Just vacated? There would be no winner. I would have said, 
yeah, guess what? I'm giving you guys immunity so you'll testify, so you're not going to have any penalties, so the players have to be forthright and honest. But I'm also, if I find this investigation is true, I'm stripping you of your title. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've done. Because Jim Crane, the owner, yeah. stood up there, holier than thou, he fired A.J. Hinch. Okay, I'm cool with that. He fired Jeff Luno. Okay, I'm cool with that. He paid $5 million, which is literally the bucket. $25 to Todd. Yeah. But that's the max fine you're allowed by the collective bargaining, so they couldn't have fined him anymore. He's still a world champion. He actually didn't pay a $5 million fine because he's not paying the two executives who were suspended, so take their multi-million dollar salaries off the books, and he's actually ahead. So if I said to you, hey, guess what? You guys just bought a team. And if you give up your first and second round picks for two years and you fire your GM and your manager, would you I'll do make it? You World Series champion. Mm-hmm. You're doing the second. Mm-hmm. I think it soils their reputation. For no, them. I do too. But I, I think the penalties were a joke. I would have stripped them in a second. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on the reputation. I just don't know how you can, uh, you know, retroactively take back a title. But that aside, Cap, we'll agree to they disagree on that. Yeah, I know. I know they do. I get it. Uh, what, what's, what's the 2020 season look like for Mike Fires? Look, he doesn't bat, so they're not going to be able to go after him that way. But how will the other players, some will, uh, some will put him up on a pedestal, I would think, in some regards, but some are going to see him as a snitch. Do you see it that way? No, I don't see him as a snitch at all. I think he's got character. I do, too. The guys that, the guys that have a problem with what Mike Fires did, I would like them to explain to me how they rationalize not saying something when other guys, you know, this is this union, this brotherhood. We're a brotherhood. We're the players, and we all stick together. Except if I can screw that guy so I can win and make more money at his expense. What about the guy, you, Darvish, got his big contract anyway. But what about the guy who's pitching in one of those games they're cheating in the regular season, and he's got a wife and four kids, and he's been up and down from the minors to the majors, and he's up and he's like, boy, I feel like I've got pretty good stuff, and they're killing it. And he gets sent back down, and he doesn't get back to the big leagues, and he doesn't get one of those big contracts, and now he's out, or he is struggling along, and he's like, boy, they hit that like they knew what was coming. Well, guess what? They did. Yeah, no doubt about it. Cap, one more on baseball. Get to football. I was asked to ask you this, so I, I want to. I don't want to forget. Nick Castellanos, where, where is he going to play? Uh, is, the, is the ship sailed as far as him uh, remaining a Cub? I can't believe that it has because he's still on the board. I feel like Theo must have said to his people, just give me some time. Let me get the Bryant grievance, and then I will get money moved, and I'll try and re-sign him. Otherwise, why wouldn't he have already signed? What is he waiting on? Is someone going to ride in magically and go, okay, man, I'll give you whatever the number is, 80, 90, 100 million, whatever he's going to get. I feel like the Cubs are trying to hang in there. But if they don't get this grievance settled, you know, we thought last week, then we think this week, maybe now it's next week they're saying, if we don't get a decision soon on the grievance, at some point he's going to go, I get, guys, I got to go. I tried. I would love to be there. And he'll end up maybe with the Texas Rangers. But I'm still hoping that he's a Cub. Over to the Bears, Cappy, and uh, certainly a move at the offensive side that doesn't instill a lot of confidence, at least in this Bears fan. A guy that was out of football last year, 
Belazer is hired as the offensive coordinator, though a coordinator. He doesn't get to call plays. It'll still be Matt Nagy in that role. Keep it open for you. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, for me to criticize Bill Lazor, I don't know Bill Lazor. I have no idea. I know Andy Dalton's numbers went up when he was his mm. offensive coordinator. So, uh, look, Bill Lazor knows more football than I know. And I know that our quarterback needs help. I know that our offensive line's got to be upgraded. I know we got to get a tight end that can make plays in the passing game. And I know we got to have a play caller that's willing to be more committed to the run because last weekend the four winning teams, and that's including a Chiefs team that throws a ton, the winning teams last week in the divisional round, their play calling was 57% run. Mm-hmm. 57% run. So... And if you take the Chiefs out of it with a generational talent at quarterback, it's over 60%. So, yeah, I hope Bill Lazor's a good guy. I'm going to trust that my coach and GM like making millions of dollars and like these jobs with a charter franchise and that they're not you know, hiring a guy that isn't good enough and sticking with a quarterback that they really don't believe in because I don't believe that to be the case. We'll find out. I hope he's a good guy. That offensive line needs some help, especially after the uh, announcement that Kyle Long's going to hang it up with the career. Juan Castillo, the new offensive line coach, he's got his work cut out for him here. Is that something that they're going to be targeting your mind? Free agency? Is this more draft picks with those two second rounders? How are they going to help fix this offensive line? Uh, I think they're going to spend some money. They'll get money back on Kyle Long's retirement. Wouldn't shock me to see Charles Leno gone, although they could move him to guard. I can't see how you keep him at starting left tackle. He saves you $3 million on the cap. There's a bunch of dead money on his deal, but saves you $3 million on the cap if you move Charles Leno out. Bobby Massey's not going anywhere because there's dead money, and it's actually a negative to cut him. It adds to your cap. Uh, I think they'll use one of their first two picks in the second round, uh, one of those 43 or 50, I would think, on an offensive lineman, maybe two offensive linemen, but they have got to hit a home run. they got two twos, two fours. They have got to get four good football players in there. And then if you move from Leonard Floyd, that's $13.2 million. I think you saved $9 million on Prince of Mucamara. There's some money to be saved, as I said, on Charles Leno. There's a couple of other guys, Ben Broniker. You can get your available salary cap space high 30 million range, and that allows you to be very active and creative. Cap, last thing. I know you do a lot of college basketball during the winter months, and uh, my question is, is, is I'm okay without having a dominant team in college basketball. So it's seemingly one of the few years where you can't point to at least one, well, there's a team that nobody's going to beat. Whether they beat them or not, we've, we've got a pretty good idea that this is the team to beat uh, come March Madness. Drake, our Duke rather got picked off by Clemson last night for crying out loud, just as when it looked like they might be the team. Do we have a dominant team in college basketball, and are you okay without the sport having one at this time? Yeah, I love that we don't have a dominant team. I love that when I go home tonight, in fact, I'm going out to dinner with my son and we watch sports at this restaurant we go to. We'll have the Bulls game on a TV and they'll put on whatever college game we want to watch on one of the TVs and we'll sit there and, well, I think it's cool that Clemson was 0-59 against North Carolina (laughs) and they beat them. And then they beat Duke. And I had an amazing game the other day that I called Davidson. It's St. Joe's, and people are like, eh, St. Joe's isn't very good. Davidson's okay. And that game went to overtime, and this kid hit one of the top. You had that game? Yeah, I did that game. 
and I we, we called the tying shot at the end of regulation with that goofy yes. like, kid through the ball, and here comes their best player, this chunky kid's running down the court, and he literally just bats it toward the basket, and they called it a two. Oh and my! My play, play partner, and I both said, "Well, I guess that's a two, and they lose by one." And as we ran the replay back, I said, "That's a three. His foot's in the air." And you watch it, and he gave this little hop and batted the ball to the basket. It went in, and they called it a three and went to overtime. They eventually lost, but it was a sick play. I have fun watching college hoops. You guys know that. Yeah, indeed. Will you be in the state of Iowa anytime soon? You got Drake or the Panthers coming up at all? No, I have Loyola Southern Illinois tomorrow. I've got, I might have a Drake game coming up, but not in Iowa. Okay. I think I'm at Bradley three three times. I'm at Illinois I'm at Loyola. I'm at St. Joe's. I'm at Duquesne coming up. St. Louis U, George Mason. I'm all over the place. And you're with us every Wednesday, uh, and we're grateful for you for doing that. that. Centurion Stone of Iowa making it possible, Cap Cap. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in seven days. Thank you. You got to tell Centurion Stone I got to talk to them. I need to do some stone work at my house. I got to talk to them. They'll be happy to hear that. Thanks, Cap. I'll let them know. You got it. See you, buddy. David Kaplan joining us uh, from Chicago Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. All right, so let's go back to the Bears for a second, mm-hmm. Trent. And you're a Bears fan, um, as as we know. And the Kyle Long, I liked Kyle Long. I did. I mean, injuries uh, clearly the last couple of years have taken its toll. And you know what else has taken its toll? We're starting to see, due to the salaries that these guys are making, that they're able. Luke Keekley, a perfect example, yes, right? Yeah. I mean, and and the concussions have added up on him. Kyle Long just hated getting out of bed and feeling the way he did. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see more of this. But back to the Bears. We'll save that for another day. Uh, offensive line is an area that they need to shore up, right? Yeah, In a big way. It, and it's so, I mean, crazy to me because I figured that it was going to be James Daniels was just going to be right away the center. And last year they started with white hair and. Then this year happens, and they have to move him back. I don't know if that's more of a white hair thing or more of a James Daniels thing, but at the very least, both those guys are solid. You're okay there. You have to be better, and they have to be a lot better in run blocking. I mean, you know David Montgomery. Mm -hmm. I still believe David Montgomery can be a good NFL back. He didn't have running room, and he can get into play calling, and I think that's a different conversation, but more than anything, the holes, for the most part, just weren't there. Yes, you have to run it more. I think that's something Matt Nagy certainly is going to realize now going forward, but Offensive line's got to create some movement there, and they weren't able to do that. So this is a team that has a little bit of flexibility, not as much, obviously, with Khalil Mack and everybody else here, but they do have a little bit of room to maneuver. I don't know what's going to be out there as it pertains to offensive line, talent, tackle guard, whatever it is, but they need a lot of work out there because any chance of this offense improving in a pretty significant way I think really starts up front. You know, the Bears thought that they had Pat Shermer signed, sealed, and delivered to come in and be their OC. And I'd seen numerous reports. And then all of a sudden, the sudden it started to linger after he was let go by the Giants. And we come to find out that the uh, Broncos uh, would come in and snap him up. But he wasn't going there to call plays, apparently, right? I mean, what what offensive coordinator uh, worth a damn wants to go someplace and not be the guy that's responsible for the play calling? You know, Helfrich... I mean, is it his fault that the offense stuck? No, it was Matt Nagy's because right. Matt Nagy's calling the plays. Yes. You can talk about coaches and what they mean and all these things, but that's what it comes back to. They're going to rerun it again. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be pace at the draft, and he's going to go out there and take some guy from Cutsdown State in the second round, and I'm going to freak out because <laughs> yeah. that's what he does because he thinks he's smarter than everybody else, and he's going to show you how smart he is doing it. 
And it'll be Nike out there, and they'll go out and they'll run the ball seven times against the Packers like they did a season ago. It's going to be infuriating again, 2020. Looking forward to uh, Bears football, as you can tell. All right. Well, we'll look forward to talking uh, college football next. Bill Bender's going to slide on in here. We'll recap. We'll take a look at what lies ahead. Uh, Then before we get out of here, we'll go on record. Baylor, Iowa State tonight. It's an ESPN Plus game. ESPN Plus has that one. We'll come back uh, with more on Miller & Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX. Oh, by the way, before we do that, Trent, Centurion Stone of Iowa. Almost forgot whether you're looking for manufactured or natural stone. Apparently, Cappy is. Mm-hmm. To accent or update your exterior or your interior project of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa has a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your every need. CenturionStoneofIowa.com or visit the showroom. Highly recommend that you do. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. They sponsored David Kaplan. Now we'll go to break. Back with Bill Bender next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. World Whiskey of the Year. So far in the game, they have their own locker. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Hi, uh, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Point Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you up until noon. More local sports talk coming up today at 2. Uh, let's get to Bill Bender. Bill, back from New Orleans, uh, where he witnessed firsthand a uh, a butt-kicking LSU-Clemson. Pretty good game to start, but LSU figured out Venables and began to pull away. Bill Bender, how are you, sir? Thanks for coming on. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. A uh, perfect venue, a perfect city for a championship game of any of any kind, football wise, obviously. Whether it be a Super Bowl or a, or a championship game like uh, you witnessed on Monday, I just love New Orleans, Bill. Everybody that's there for the game, they're going to all linger in one spot in the days leading up to it, and uh, obviously in the French Quarter, it's a perfect spot. Do you enjoy the championship games that you get to cover being there, and that's part of the reason behind it? Oh, of course. I mean, it was a good backdrop for a game. It was super loud in the stadium. Um, two Southern bat fan bases added to it. It was a really good game in the first half. Clemson, you know, had some opportunities, especially when they turned it to 28-25. Uh, to 25, But, yep. you know, this LSU team's been the story all season, and that didn't change. Bill, as you go back and think back to the game, LSU early on, they were pinned deep a couple of different times, but... Is there anything that Clemson could have done? Is there any button that Dabo had to push that he didn't utilize that could have get them to win this game? Or is it as simple as LSU is just a lot better than Clemson? LSU's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, they had really good offense. And their quarterback threw 60 touchdowns. Joe Brady was part of that. I mean, obviously, they both won't be there next year. Right. It was a really good football team that played really well. And, uh, you know, I mean, with Burrow, I thought it was the receivers, the play calling, just a combination of a lot of things. And and whenever all of that else fails, you run the ball. Yep. So, I mean, it's one of the most unstoppable offenses I've ever seen. And uh, definitely up there with the greatest of all time. Yeah, I'm with you, Bill. It was really was fun to watch all season long. And the threat of a running game this week as well. Like, they didn't need it against Oklahoma in the semifinal, but they you had to have Edwards Hilaire out there and you had to have him 100% and he clearly was. He's Maurice Jones Drew for my money. I think that's where we're going to see a, a similar type of, you know, body and I think he's going to have a similar length uh, of career as uh, Jones Drew did in Jacksonville. But the fact that they had that threat of a running game and that he produced when 
when called upon, made a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely had all the pieces. And they got off to a slow start. I mean, Clemson pinned them a few times. The first six plays netted six yards, but I think that deep pass to Jamar Chase got the offense started. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Burrow never looked back from there. And uh, certainly just an amazing offensive performance. I mean, what Joe Burrow did in the two games, he had over 1,000 yards of offense. Crazy. 12 passing <laughs> touchdowns. He did things that I've never seen. Um, no college football has never seen something like that. And it's not luck. It was a re- really good job on their offensive side. You know, as you go through and Joe Burrow, his decision to leave Ohio State, he wasn't going to win the job there. He got beat out. And to go to LSU, a program that historically was really built with their defense and the great athletes that they have on the outside, but that is what they were known for. You're an Ohio guy, another Ohio guy going down to LSU, not envisioning 60 touchdown passes and 5,700 yards passing. Nobody could have envisioned that, but did you think that Joe Burrow was going to be at least a good quarterback at LSU? Because frankly... I didn't think that was even going to be the case. Yeah, I thought he'd be good. I didn't know if he'd be this good. I mean, I you know I knew he was waiting on an opportunity. His first year as a starter was a little rough. But, I mean, those of us who have followed his career since he was at Athens High School, yeah, we thought he'd be a pretty good player given the right opportunity. So um, what he did this year, though, is remarkable. The offense, the, not the 60 touchdowns, the all those things he did. And on top of it, you know, be a good representative for his hometown, Ohio State and LSU. Mm-hmm. It really is off the charts. Yeah, no doubt about it. Bill Bennett from the Sporting News. Bill, we, we talked about this last, yesterday on the program. We saw Gene Chizik win a national championship with a, I don't know, maybe generational quarterbacks over the top. But Cam Newton was pretty damn good. You know how I feel about him and where I voted him for him in the Sporting News as college football uh, court, uh, players of the uh, players of the century, whatever it was. Um, so, well... Burrow is to Orgeron what Newton was to Chiswick, or will Orgeron go further than Chiswick, who flamed out very quickly after the Newton era ended? Well, that's the good. That's a good question. Um, I think it's a little bit different with Orgeron though, because he's from LSU. You know, he's from Louisiana. He played at North Northwestern State, and he means a lot. They mean a lot to each other, and I think they'll never be separated by history or any of those kind of things. But, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to find out. Burrow will always be the standard, much like Auburn. Auburn's gone to championship games since, you know, Cam Newton, but he's still the standard of the position. I think the difference with Burrow is he may be the single-season standard forever. Um, <laughs> you know, it was an amazing season. I, to me, it's a coin flip between that and what Barry Sanders did in 88 is the best single season of all time. It's absolutely remarkable, no doubt about it, and, and what he was able to to put together this year. As you look to the next level, and staying in your home state, Cincinnati, with the number one pick, everybody anticipated that's what it's going to be, a reunion for him going back home. But Cincinnati, the fit there, what they're going to do with him, do you, do you like it? Are you hopeful for him at the next level? You're just going to continue what we saw this season. Hey, if they get an offensive line to block around him, he might be all right. I, I thought that was their pick the whole time. I think he's going to generate a lot of excitement. They need people in the seats. He does more than what Chase Young could do for that franchise. And you know, saw what he did for LSU. I mean, he's just so confident on the field, so confident after everything you want in a big-time quarterback. And I think he'll do all right at the next level. But, of course, you know, they're going to have to protect him. I mean, I've heard him be compared to Brady. I'm not there on that. I've heard him 
compared to Breeze. I mean, I just think if you're looking for a comp, he really reminds me of Jim McMahon. I mean, that like that at the college level especially, the way he moved, runs, throws, played with that confidence that McMahon used to play for with BYU. Hmm. Who is the most disappointing team in college football? I mean, I know disappointing, everybody's got a different criteria how that they would uh, um, how they would come up with that, but most disappointing team in college football to build better the sporting news was who? I mean, Texas, they lost a lot of games on a season where the playoff hype was there. I mean, they'd have to be in that uh, discussion for sure. I know Michigan was picked to win the Big Ten, but Nebraska didn't go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And those are a couple that probably had disappointing seasons by their standard. But, you know, I think it would probably be Texas. But, again, they win their bowl game, though, and we're right back on the bandwagon, myself included. So <laughs> they're a team that will definitely be watched, and they can't take that next step until they start winning some close games. What about Washington? Would you put them in the conversation? That's a good one. I mean, it didn't get off to a good start, you know, losing some Pac-12 games that they typically don't lose. And right. Chris Peterson leads after that. So, yeah, that's certainly a program that, that didn't have a good season either. So, Bill, here on the local level, a couple of early entries to the NFL draft again for Iowa that looked to be first-round picks. Last year was both tight ends, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. This year it'll be Tristan Wurst, the tackle, along with A.J. Epinesa on the defensive side of the football. Two straight years, two first-round draft picks. Does this change anything recruiting-wise for Iowa? Does it put into the head you know, for the kids, not that top-tier kids, not the kids that are going to Alabama and Ohio State, but, but that next group and you're looking around and saying, Maybe Iowa makes a little bit more sense than some of these other schools. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, France has a system that he believes in and that it has been able to produce solid NFL players for several years. I mean, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. So it's good for the program. They, they know how to market themselves. Iowa's always known who they are. Um, I know that's led to some frustration in some ways, but – They've had opportunities to win Big Ten championships. They, this is how you do it at a place like that. You continue to produce NFL picks. And, you know, would you rather have Matt Campbell or Kirk Ferentz? I guess depends on who you ask. I mean, stability-wise is the way to go in a lot of ways. And when you produce players like that, it's a pretty darn good thing. Hmm. Bill, will the ACC be better, any better next year than it was this year? I mean, Clemson... They had such a cakewalk. I know Mac Brown's squad gave them, uh, took them to overtime, but they really were never challenged at all. And I and I can't. I uh, mean, look, Trevor Lawrence finally got uh, knows what it's like to lose a game at the college level. I've, I'm not saying that he's going to do a Tebow speech to his teammates when they reconvene in the uh, during the off season, but I do have a feeling that Trevor Lawrence is going to use that as a chip on his shoulder. I don't know what else he could use. Right? He's had seemingly uh, everything go perfectly for him up until this last Monday night. So two-parter. Clemson, um, any competition in the ACC? And then do you expect Trevor Lawrence to take that other step if there is one? He's so damn good. He's fine. They're fine. Uh, you know, lose the game on that level. It's, just losing. it's like Alabama lost it last year. Clemson's lost that game now twice. Um, you know, I, I do it liken it to Super Bowls on some level. I mean, they've been there four times in six years. You were an NFL fan? and your team went to the Super Bowl four times in six years and it wasn't named New England, you'd be pretty thrilled. Um, So, yeah, I think he's fine. They're fine as a program. They're better than everybody else in the ACC. I do think North Carolina and Louisville could emerge as interesting challengers in the next couple years. 
but they're nowhere near where Clemson is right. in terms of organizational recruiting. I do like Carolina, though, what Matt's doing with that quarterback there. He's pretty good. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, Howell, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bill, uh, pre the early two, two top 25s are out there, and it's the same old, same old. It's LSU and Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. So go deeper. Go a little bit deeper there. Another team that either off the radar to get into the playoff or somebody that you think can win it outside of that top-tier group? Nobody. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, no, I mean, outside the top five, I don't think anybody can honestly win a national title. Now, Texas, it's on them to make a run. It's on Penn State to make a run and close that gap with Ohio State. Penn State would probably be my answer yeah. of a team that is getting closer, if that makes sense. I think James Franklin's done a nice job recruiting. They've been the closest thing to Ohio State the last three years. They get them in a whiteout next year. Um, you know, and then unless you want to, and another team I'm interested in, but not sure they're ready to take that step is Texas A&M. Mm. I think they continue to recruit well with Jimbo and he has a natty, and then, but it's again, they're kind of in the same boat as Texas. We're going to talk a lot in the offseason about Texas, Texas A&M, but it's talking a lot about two teams that lost five games each this year. Mm, interesting point. Bill Bender's our guest. A couple more minutes uh, with Bill Bender from the Sporting News. So we, you know, we'll we'll, we'll talk a lot about the the uh, the pecking order in the Big Twelve in the off season, and you know, it's Oklahoma, then it's who. I mean, I think Texas is is close, but I also think that the role of Baylor next year might be played by Oklahoma State. I could see the Cowboys. I mean, the news that they got on Monday night that Hubbard's coming back, the Canadian Cowboys going to strap it on and do it again. Uh, I think that's a big boost for them. Is Oklahoma State in the Big 12 this year's Baylor, potentially? Could be. Yeah, I like that. And I think Hubbard's decision to come back shows that. Gundy's been close a couple times. I mean, they've been real close the one year when they had a tragic plane accident and then they lose the name. Um, that was a really good team. They've had really good teams, and Hubbard helps with that. They've got a young quarterback that continue to do that. and Maybe they are the team instead of Texas that will make it interesting. I, I do think it makes for another – Solid top 15 for the Big 12 to talk about this offseason. You're absolutely on to that. Final thing for you, Bill. It is a football question, though not pertaining to college football. Packers. <laughs> Your godforsaken Green Bay Packers are a game away from another Super Bowl appearance. Confident they're a touchdown dog as they make their way out to San Fran. You know, this is Rogers' fourth NFC championship, and they've been on the road every time. And this is, uh, I when they played the Bears, and I don't want to get too deep into it because I know how you feel. I knew they were going to win that one, and I knew they were going to lose the Falcons one, and I was somewhere between with the Seahawks, and I'm somewhere between with this one. I know how good San Francisco is, but I thought Rodgers looked, for all the talk about how he's playing this season, he made the big throws against Seattle. He was pretty hot against the Seahawks. So if they can do that, they'll have a chance. But if, if I'm doing being an objective journalist taking off the fanboy hat, I'd probably pick Chiefs and Niners, which would probably be a good Super Bowl if they can get that. Indeed it would be. Bill Benner from the Sporting News. Bill, what do you got coming up this week at SportingNews.com? What are you working on? Well, I'm trying to sleep. I haven't slept <laughs> all season. Uh, no, I got a couple articles coming out today. I'm going to round up all those preseason top 25s to see if there's any trends. And then um, right about Aaron Rodgers and that history with San Francisco. First time those two have met in the NFC Championships. Kind of interesting. Indeed it is. Bill Benner from the Sporting News, thanks for doing what you do uh, for us, Bill. You were with us weekly all season long, and we'll back off a little bit, but not a whole bunch, because seemingly there's something always brewing in college football, and we are certainly grateful for that. Bill Benner from the Sporting News, SportingNews.com. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. All right, Trent, uh, Oklahoma State. 
Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. State. Chuba. I'm buying stock in the Cowboys. I was last summer. Felt good for a while. They, yeah, they got off to a good start. Kind of petered out. Mm-hmm. Sanders got hurt. Yeah, that hurt. Yep, absolutely. All right, so what are you going to do tonight? Uh, we've got we've got a couple of Big Ten games that will surround ESPN Plus and uh, Baylor and Iowa State. But there's a couple of decent tilts in the uh, in the Big Ten. Who would Indiana, think Indiana Rutgers, Rutgers would be one of them? Yeah, absolutely. And Penn State, Minnesota is not awful. Minnesota's right. playing better. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to watch tonight? Probably, yes, a little of that, but it'll be mostly Iowa State tonight. Going to be certainly keeping a peek on things. Got a couple of uh, bets that I'm firing at, including the Panthers tonight. Going to lay the 10.5. Valpo's not very good. And Is uh, there TV on that? Oh, no, tomorrow Drake's game is on ESPN+. Plus. Correct, and I think this one also might be an ESPN Plus for the Panthers this evening. But yeah, a couple last night, hit pit, need to go to overtime to do it. That was a salty one. Nice. Uh, able to pull that one out at the end. Keep an eye tonight. Undefeated Auburn going to Alabama. Yeah, Auburn's really good, Trent. They're seniors. They are. They're not going undefeated. Though. No, I know that. And it's yeah, a I tricky agree. spot. Mm-hmm. Some talent for Alabama. They How many points are you getting? <laughs> Two. That's it? Something's fishy with that yeah, line. Something is fishy with that line. All right, thanks for being here with us uh, today. Miller and Condon, Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. More local sports conversation coming up today at 2. It's Des Moines Sports Station. We'll talk to you tomorrow on 1460 KXNO.